Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. We do still have a lot to discuss about what has changed. And, uh, well, here to talk about it, somebody who is in the middle of all of these new laws, South Florida State Rep. Tom Fabrico joining us once again. Hope you had a uh, wonderful Fourth of July weekend, Tom. I did, Brian. Thank you so much. I hope you you did as well. Yeah, it was uh, really terrific. Uh, absolutely beautiful, and my wife and I able to take full advantage of it. So all good. Hey, so um, you know we have some of the higher profile laws that have gained uh, attention in certain circles, but there are many that are I know pretty effectual that uh, maybe aren't getting as as much attention as they should, and they're literally the law of the land now. So things are are changing. Tell us a little bit about uh, you know some of these, starting with telehealth. Telehealth is a great bill. I, uh, that was a bill that I ran for two years. We finally got, were able to get it passed. And, uh, my, my, my dear friend Manny Diaz Jr. ran it along with me in the Senate. Uh, and basically what you could do now is you can see your doctor. You can have a, a doctor, a medical consultation and your doctor can prescribe, um, controlled substances or, or your medication for you through a telehealth consultation before you'd have to go in and be there in person with them, uh, except during that time during COVID when the governor relaxed all these laws uh, because of the lockdowns and whatnot. But uh, now it's, uh, it's permanent law. It's in the books. And, uh, you know, folks don't need to leave their offices midday to have a, a doctor's appointment or they, uh, you know, older folks don't have to spend hours and hours in waiting rooms. Uh, same with parents and their kids. And Tom, I, I, I've seen this. I mean, it's it's been huge. My my wife, for example, you know, she she's uh, asthmatic, and you know, she has uh, she also celiac disease. A couple different things that she ends up uh, taking regularly, and it is a real pain often to go in and and see a doctor for what amounts to just trying to get a refill when you could just do That's something right. through telehealth, and you know, fifteen minutes done and on to the next and i you know i've really seen that benefit have you seen increased adaptation and perhaps driven by the pandemic so what um we did number one um you know the the pandemic while it was terrible and tragic it was a catalyst for use of technology and it was very good uh for telehealth um i was campaigning on this two years ago so long before the pandemic and i mainly did it uh for you know the senior citizen community i remember my grandmother having to uh you know you know, schlep around town uh, to be able to, you know, have doctors just change medications, which I, I thought was um, crazy. But uh, what we have seen uh, over the over the last, you know, it, it's been a little bit over a year or so, uh, or a little bit longer, uh, we've seen that the use of telehealth uh, with psychological appointments and psychiatric visits uh, is extremely, extremely valuable, and that patients are keeping their appointments and uh, patients are maintaining their med- uh, their uh, medication regimens. Um, and it's shown, I mean, it, it's like watershed um, in the psychiatric realm. So uh, it's been very good overall, and we expect that it's going to continue uh, to do so in this way. And this year I look to, in the next uh, legislative session, I look to expand it to be to audio only uh, because there are folks who don't have access to the video technology. It's a good point. 
It's a good point, and uh, look forward to that development as well. It's it certainly is a worthwhile service, I think. All right, and you mentioned uh, your your friend uh, Manny Diaz Jr. Of course, he is our next education commissioner in Florida, and so he'll oversee the implementing of Florida's new FSA policy. Tell us about it. Yeah, the FSA policy. Uh, you know, the FSA test as we've had it in place uh, for so many years. Uh, is just very outdated. And what happens is uh, the students at the end of the school year uh, take this very long test. The results don't come in until the following school year, and uh, the results are somewhat nebulous. Uh, with the new policy as it's been implemented by our Commissioner of Education, um, we are going to have multiple uh, electronic tests conducted throughout the school year, which are going to be shorter, and the results are going to be almost immediately provided to parents and teachers so that teachers and parents can adapt the curriculum where students need most help. Uh, and that way, throughout the school year, and rather, rather than having to wait till the following school year, we'll know where the kids are at, and we'll be able to make those changes to make sure that the educational uh, product that the kids are getting is the best. I've heard some skepticism expressed by educators saying it's really just kind of moving the testing around throughout the year. Is it will it really take some of the burden off of that and in, in teaching to the test, so to speak? I think so. I, I view it and I, I've analogized this uh, to um, what kids have had to do over the last couple of years with uh, with iReady, where there where you have this adaptive technology. And there's uh, simplified, shorter testing. And because of the way that the testing, it's an adaptive, intelligent test, they get a better handle on what the student is doing. So uh, I see it as a positive. I think we will always have naysayers. Uh, you know, uh, a mentor once told me that in Tallahassee, if we decide to give away puppies uh, to blind persons, you're going to have somebody objecting to that as well. So, uh, you know, uh, you know I, I don't know what to say as a parent. Uh, I'm excited and I'm looking forward to this uh, uh, this law passing and its implementation. Uh, I like the analogy. All right, and of course we have the clip about loud music. Uh, so what what changes here, and, and what's the onus on law enforcement with this? So with the the loud music bill, this bill passed originally about ten years ago, um, but then there was a uh, First Amendment challenge to it uh, on business and. Um, political speech. So uh, the bill, the, the law had been struck down. So what we did is we went back in there and we retooled it and we made sure that there are exceptions so that your local ice cream man can go through the neighborhood and play the music and that uh, any uh, political speech uh, that's conducted during reasonable times can be done as well. Speaking about, you know, that type of thing, it's, it's different. And we have a law, we have laws in the books pertaining to fireworks. We actually had an expansion that included the allowance for fireworks to be purchased and used on three holidays a year back in 2024th of July being one of them. But I did hear from listeners straight through the weekend. I've heard this morning as well. And, and I, heck, I heard in my own neighborhood, um, people that were just kind of going crazy all weekend where technically that's not within the confines and also all hours of night. Any consideration about, you know, that type of situation, especially with law enforcement, not really in a position to be able to react to, to all of that all across various communities. So that's, that's an interesting point. I mean, I've had that situation personally in my life where I, I had a neighbor uh, that lived across the street from me. Um, and he, not where I live now. Uh, and uh, I had a, uh, one year old baby and, and one year uh, he decided to, uh, you know, shoot mortars off, you know, till four in the morning. Wow. Uh, so that could be a problem. 
Um, I, that's generally dealt with by local municipal ordinances, uh, and I think that's where it generally uh, lays. Uh, we can do preemptions of those ordinances where where we see a need statewide, um, but usually before we enter into a preemption, uh, I you know I speak to a lot of people and you know I make sure that uh, that uh, there is a need to usurp that right from the municipalities or the county governments. Okay, understood. And also something that uh, has been in focus, of course, condo policy generally, but in this case, specific to background checks. Give us an idea of what, what this will do. Right. So there was a law that was passed this year. We called it, uh, it's called Maya's Law. Um, there was a young lady who was a student in the Orlando area, and uh, she was uh, killed by a, a an employee at the uh, uh, at the building that she was renting at. So what Maya's Law does is it does a couple of things. Number one, uh, it requires background checks for uh, maintenance employees in these buildings. Uh, number two, it creates a, a registry, a log, uh, if you will, uh, for the master keys to the units. And then the third thing it does is it changes uh, the access to the unit notice. So before, you just have to give 12-hour notice. 12 hours was consi- considered reasonable notice. Now you have to give 24-hour notice before entering into a unit. Uh, and the idea is 